welcome to the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Martin Thomas. Join me and my guest speakers as they discuss the journey they've had with their own voice, as well as light bulb moments, stories, and personal wisdoms. Vocal Freedom is a bi-weekly podcast raising awareness about vocal health and well-being from members of the voice community. My guest this week is Kerry Obert, a singer herself. Kerry holds degrees in both musical theatre performance and speech-language pathology. She is a well-known lecturer for both national and international conferences, and she has chaired two Astill World Voice Symposiums. Kerry is also co-author of The Owner's Manual to the Voice, a guide for singers and other professional voice users. Welcome to the podcast, to the wonderful Kerry Obert, speaking to me all the way from her home in Ohio. Um, you're my third episode where I'm speaking to someone overseas, which is very exciting. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the wonderful modern technology it's here. Amazing. So, um, yeah, my first question to you really is to ask you how you would describe your journey with your own voice. Well, you know, I was lucky enough to to meet Joe Estel mm-hmm. when I was very early in my career. I was probably only. 19 years old or something and uh, back in the 80s and um, I, I was lucky enough to meet her and to have voice instruction from someone who had worked with her as well and so I, I think that really kind of set the pace for um, healthy voice production. I've not ever really had any vocal pathologies or anything like that um, but, you know, you're always growing and learning. And I think uh, some of the research that I've done in the last five or six years has really taken me in a new direction. And I'm singing in ways that I hadn't sung before. And I'm experimenting with sounds that I hadn't made before. And, and it makes me really excited because I think you know, I'm not too old and, and it's not over yet. <laughs> of course and, not. That, um, you know, that was one of the things that I always loved about Joe Estel was that she really didn't get started till she was in her 40s or 50s. I yeah. mean, she was doing a lot of her research in her 60s and 70s. And, and I, and, and so I, I sort of take heart by all that and thinking, there's still a lot of time left, <laughs> even Absolutely. though I, I like to say I'm past the halftime show, you know, <laughs> but uh, hopefully I've still got time to to keep growing. Absolutely. I mean, I was lucky enough to sit with you for a few days last year when you came to the UK and uh, gave a, a, a two day course about your twang research and uh, on all the wonderful discoveries or, you know, it's all, it, it's always, isn't it? We don't know if it's going to change in a year or change in two years, but it seems as if you found out some new stuff, which was exciting. Yeah. I, you know, the research has really, um, it, it's, it's clarified a lot of things for me as someone who worked in a, in a voice clinic for many years and I was scoping people all the time and I wasn't seeing twang in the way that, um, that I was trained to see it. Mm. And so it really kind of launched me down this path of discovery that ultimately has mapped my internal uh, body mapping or the way that I perceive where I'm making sounds. It has really changed that for me. And as discovery goes, 
you know, one discovery kind of leads to another and leads to another. And so it was like opening this, this box of surprises because then you realize, oh, there's, I've, there's something else about the tongue now that I am learning. And, and, oh, this opens up this whole area of the piriforms and what they do. And, and so, you know, it's, it's been a really exciting journey to kind of see it's like this domino effect of how one discovery sort of takes you down a, a path of discovery after discovery after discovery. It's wonderful. It really is wonderful. Thank you. So is there anything that you wish you'd learned sooner when it comes to your own singing voice? Absolutely. I wish I'd known more about the tongue. Mm. Um, and the, the tongue is, is my latest, you know, I was sort of obsessed with twang for a lot of years and uh, and uh, I there's a funny line there's this movie with Melissa McCarthy and my son loves to watch this movie and and at some point in the movie she says to her grandmother just out of the blue it's not related to the movie at all but she says would you just stop talking about your twang <laughs> <laughs> and and my my beautiful son looked over at me and he said mom that is exactly <laughs> how I feel. <laughs> and because, you know, I've talked so much about twang. Um, but at any rate, the tongue is a structure that I think for a lot of years, I didn't realize how important it was. And, you know, it was not necessarily a big part of our training in Austell. Mm. It was one of the figures that you learned. Um, but it wasn't sort of a, a what I would have called a primary color. And I now realize that the tongue is probably next to your vocal folds. It's probably the most important structure in the vocal tract. And so I, I wish I had explored that more understanding how it works now has opened up a world of new color possibilities for me and playing around with in particular, the back part of the tongue, Mm. because that back part of the tongue is really half of the throat, the back, you know, it sort of resides in the throat and it's very flexible and it has the greatest potential to make a a change in your sound. Mm. And I think largely we tend to be afraid of the tongue. We tend to think it's full of tension and it's problematic. and, and, um, And I think we need to reframe that I think we need to embrace it, love it. I've been saying it's the best friend you never knew you had. I loved Helen Rosen's description of it, which was something about it wants to come to every party. <laughs> yeah, but again, I and I agree, it does want to come to every party. And I love Helen and she's yeah. got, she's got uh, some great insight. Um, but I think our perspective of that is, oh my gosh, it wants to come along for the party. So let's let's try to... Um, relax it, disengage it, ignore it, don't use it, um, diminish its Mm. possibilities. And what I really have discovered in these last couple of years is to the contrary to that, that in order to gain control of it, we need to be more aware of it. We need to um, be more conscious about what we're doing with it and um, where we're putting it. But at any rate, so I guess I'm in a little different place right now, where instead of always thinking of of diminishing its capabilities Mm. and its participation, I'm realizing I want it to participate and I want to be in control of how I ask it to participate. So did you start singing when you were wee, (laughs) really little? 
Of course. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, you know, I, I started taking piano lessons about third grade and, but I, I sort of always remember dancing around and singing as a small child and, and being, you know, loving the musicals on TV. And mm. I went to this fine arts summer camp one year and I entered, we had a talent show. And if you, if you won the talent show, you got out of all your chores for the rest of the week. Amazing. And I remember this guy asked me if I would enter the talent show with him. And we put a little act together and I sang and he played the piano and we won the talent show. And so we got out of our chores oh, for the amazing. rest of the week at the camp. And, um, and I can remember sort of realizing at that time that I really liked to sing and mm -hmm. that that was something, you know, that was, I, I remember my parents came to pick me up at the end of the week and, and I said, I, you guys, I, I can sing. And it was sort of something I hadn't realized until that moment. But at any rate, it was something I realized at that moment. And from then on, I just never looked back. You know, I was in all the musicals and, and, um, in the show choirs and all that kind of thing. Oh, sounds so exciting. It really does. Because I don't think that the, the school programs in the UK ever offered quite as much excitement. And I used to watch a lot of American TV when I was growing up. And I loved things like Fame, the the, the high school oh. of performing arts. I was obsessed. I was like, amazing. that show was really influential for a lot of people of, of my uh, decade and, and my era. We were all watching Fame and, mm. and you know, wearing leg warmers and <laughs> wanting to be just like them. And, you know, um, so that, that was a big influence for me. That's that's really cool. Was there anything in your um you know your younger training that you reflect on now as being still useful? Do you think it's moved on a lot since you had teachers when you were younger? Uh you know, it's interesting. Uh one of my very early instructors, I took some lessons for a short period of time from a a uh, very traditional voice teacher. I probably only about six months before I went to college did I have any formal voice training. But um, looking back, it's funny how things come full circle. And at the time when I met Jo Estel, she was such a contrast to the teacher I'd had in high school. And I can remember looking back and thinking, oh, that wasn't good training. Um, but now all these years later, I'm looking back through a different lens. And I'm thinking, gosh, there really was something to the, the work that she did and um, the imagery work that she did because Joe was not so much into imagery, but my first teacher was. And so uh, it's, it's funny how you kind of go sometimes back full circle and think that actually was useful. And, um, and I'm using some of those techniques more now <laughs> than I did before. Yeah. 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 That's I think I, I can completely relate to that, actually, because my, my I had a voice teacher when I, I grew up in the south of England and um, I worked with a, a male teacher who taught from his shed <laughs> and he'd uh -huh. been <laughs> he'd been um, he'd had some success in the sort of 60s with a band and he'd written songs and he'd made money. And I think he'd basically lived off the royalties and he set up a little studio, which was, you know, it was quite a nice shed. It was all furnished and had a little studio inside of it. But I look back on that instruction and I I felt very confused at the time because I was about 12, 13. And the imagery idea and, you know, 
can you sing that again but could you make it more chocolatey or you know that kind of instruction and I would be like Mm -hmm. and I remember going home to my mum and saying yeah my teacher says I need to eat more chocolate to be a better singer because I just misinterpreted (laughs) what you meant by make your voice more chocolatey I was like Mm -hmm. okay I'll go eat more chocolate then (laughs) it was a really strange Mm -hmm. thing but it's all yeah I mean yeah you have to use all sorts of ideas to get through to children don't you really (laughs) that's true that is true so we can't get well you know one of the things I think that I've kind of come back around to is thinking a little bit more about the breath Mm. and you know that's something in our Estel training that we don't spend a lot of time on um and Joe always said that that was because she hadn't had she hadn't done a lot of research on it. Mm. And so she didn't want to get into an area that she really hadn't sort of gone into and figured out. And so I think, you know, that's something now I'm kind of thinking a little bit more about and thinking, um, there's, there's something useful Mm. to this pedagogical information that's 400 years old and that has stood the test of time. I mean, it must have stood the test of time because there's something useful to it. And so I, you know, again, it's that idea of, of kind of allowing yourself to be open to uh, reconsidering things or thinking about them with a new lens. Would you like to share any light bulb moments? Yeah, well, I've had some of those in in research, of course. Um, And some of those are accidental. I remember we were in the MRI studio and we were doing some work trying to capture the true and false vocal folds and using MRI. And we were too far back. We were, the slice that we were getting was a little posterior to what we were looking for. And suddenly we had an aha about the piriforms. And, you know, so sometimes you have these happy accidents mm-hmm. that occur and you go, it, it's, and it changes everything. Um, but more recently, I've been working with uh, some teachers and we've, we've launched a, a a workshop program and things that we're kind of working on together. But I've realized how important body is mm-hmm. and the connection of the body and how disengaged we are as singers, how often we sort of think that our craft is really from the neck up. And in fact, the whole body is so important in creating um, not only the sound, but um, but the character, the overall effect of what's happening. And I, I, I think that's been an aha for me recently to kind of uh, stop being so disembodied and to think about, you know, how can we really integrate or use uh, the body to facilitate the sounds that we want to create? What have you found most valuable in caring for your own voice? Oh, okay. Well, that's an interesting question. And it's, it's funny you ask that because I'm actually writing a chapter about vocal health right now. So it's good timing because I've been really thinking about what, what it is that I would tell, say, somebody starting off on this journey. Mm. And, you know, there are lots of wives tales out there and lots of information about take these handfuls of supplements or suck on this lozenge or do that thing. And I think when it boils down to it, they're probably just a few things that really are essential for us. And obviously hydration is one of those things that we really need to think about. Another one is getting enough sleep. And I find for myself that I will feel vocally fatigued um, even when I haven't voiced or done anything, if, if I haven't 
had enough sleep. And I'm a, a notorious person for not getting enough sleep because I'm always wishing for more hours in the day. And, you know, I do my research in the evenings when I come home and you get started on those projects and you can't shut it off. So I've been trying to make a, an effort to get more sleep. And it's also involved in your cognitive health. Mm. And, you know, research has shown, for example, that people are more likely to, to develop Alzheimer's and dementia, other forms of dementia, when they haven't had enough sleep. And wow. so uh, I think for me, that's been one thing that I've been really trying to think about. Um, and uh, yeah, probably also doing daily vocal warmups and keeping the voice active. Yes. Um, you know, we can tend to have long stretches of time when we're really not singing or doing anything. And it's important that we sort of keep up the, the vocalizing during that time. So I would say those are probably my top three right now. So, Kerry, what's your favorite area of voice work? You do so much. You help patients. You help singers. What do you like doing best? Uh, probably the research. Um, I really love, uh, I, I guess I've always liked mysteries. And I, I think I'm really attracted to the idea of figuring something out. So I love helping people with problems, whether that be a singer or a patient. Mm -hmm. um, I, my favorite kind of singer is somebody who has an issue that they want to fix and maybe something that nobody else has been able to fix. To me, that's the great challenge. And so I love when I get these sort of wonky cases um, like I said, whether it's patient or a, a singer or whatever, and I love trying to use my uh, deductive reasoning skills and figure out um, what might help this problem. Is there really something we can do? And you know, when it when it comes to the point of just picking music or um, helping them develop over months or years, or um, I'm not as interested in that. Because for me, the it's it's too predictable at that point. Then it's you know it's picking music and and um, I'm much more interested in something that's a little less predictable and 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 requires a lot of thought process. That's wonderful. I saw you um, masterclassing last last year when you were in the UK, and uh, you can see that there's this sort of you know when you you're very instant with, um, oh, let's try this. And, and you know, you're, you know, it's like you're a sharpshooter of fixing vocal problems, mm -hmm. which yeah. is, which is an exciting well, thing. Yeah. I, so yeah, that's, I love that. And, um, and like I said, once the problem's fixed and they're just going to be, you know, continuing to develop as an artist or whatever, it's, it's much less interesting to me. Yeah. Just pass them on then. Someone, someone can help them with yeah, that. I'm done with and, you. Yeah. Let me just <laughs> sort of I mean, wipe my hands. Off, you know? Yeah. Fix the wonky tongues and things. Yeah, because I remember the one of the case studies you shared with us on that course was the the man who had sort of half of his tongue wanted to go lower than the other half. That that case was was yeah, fascinating. Yeah. That was really interesting. I'd never seen a tongue do that before. Yeah, and as a result, he had a crazy vibrato. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's and so that fixing that really fixed his vibrato issue. That's amazing. Yeah. I've got a big question now. This is a bit philosophical. Okay. What does your voice mean to you? Hmm. I, I would say everything. Um, for me, it's career. Um, it's life. It's expression. It's emotion. Um, it's uh, 
I've often thought about that because, you know, I work with patients who have cancer and they lose their voices forever. Oh gosh. And I, you know, I remember when I first started working at the voice clinic, I dreamed, this is kind of funny, but I, I went to bed one night and I dreamed that I'd lost my larynx, that I had to have a laryngectomy. And, you know, it was clearly taking home my work. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I remember in my dream, I'd written a book called I Used to Sing. And it was so tragic, you know, this, this oh, whole heartbreaking. Uh, dream sequence that I had. And, and so it's, it is something that evidently I've thought about, but I think the, the notion, you know, our voices are so linked to our emotional well-being, and, and they're truly an expression of, of what we're thinking, what we're feeling. Um, and, you know, you can tell when somebody is upset just by the sound of their voice. Mm. And that's, that's not always the case in this era of email and other things, but I mean, your voice is really your emotional barometer. And for me, I think the, the thought of losing that would be to kind of lose that emotional part of yourself, the truest expression of who you are. Yes, completely. Wonderful answer. Thank you. Is that off the top of your head? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Wonderful. So... Can I ask you what other voices inspire you? What, what, who do you like to listen to? Who could you never tire of? Well, of course, I've got my playlists, you know, of people that I love over and over and over again. Um, I love to listen to choral singing. I, I often find myself going back to favorite choirs and, and I, I sort of, it's funny, I sort of like the idea of, of not one voice, but many voices. Mm. and um, that there isn't a star in the choir, you know, but there's sort of a, a, a moment of, of um, unity in, in choral work. Um, so I think sometimes I like that. Um, I love Stevie Wonder. He's one of my favorite voices, and I listen to him all the time. It makes me happy to listen to him, and I think it's because there's so much twang in his voice. <laughs> um, I, I love... Um, Oh gosh, there are classical singers that I love. I love Audra McDonald. Um, I love, uh, gosh, um, there's a new kid out that I really like, Jeremy Zucker. Oh, I've not and, heard of him. And um, he's really cute, pop, young pop singer. I love uh, Lady Gaga. Her oh, me voice too. is so interesting and she's so talented. That yeah. gal, she can do anything. Absolutely. Um, and so I don't know, I, I guess I, I have a wide range of taste Yeah. and, um, you know, from classical to, to pop and, and so I, I'm listening to lots of, lots of different things. Yes. And with the podcast, um, title being vocal freedom, what would you, what, what's your idea of what vocal freedom is? Um, I think vocal freedom is being able to do what you want to do with your voice, being able to express in the way that you want to express and not feeling limited mm. because you don't know how to do it or because you haven't figured out how to make it work. Um, certainly there are limitations in range and, you know, we all have different um, 
we all have some limitations in terms of weight of the voice and flexibility of the voice, but um, but I think in general, it's can you can you express in the way you want to, mm. and are you able are you able to create the sounds you're hoping to create? I think back um, over the years, and and um, I've definitely had moments where I felt sort of out of body, mm. and that you really made a connection with people, and um, you know, one of the things that I think when I, when I think back on those moments, um, one of the things that I think has been really, again, I'm kind of coming back to realizing is our moments when you really, your whole body was engaged in mm-hmm. that process. So you were portraying a character or something and in portraying the character, the voice really became what you wanted it to be because your body was saying what you wanted it to say. Yeah. And so, you know, I think sometimes we can get so wrapped up in is my voice creating the sound that I want to make that we sort of forget that the whole body is involved in saying what we want to say. And again, that's that thing where I I think I've said I'm coming back around to realizing that that this is this is a whole body process. So what's going what's going on with you at the moment? Have you got some lovely courses coming up that we can, you know, invite people to? We're going to have an online course in August. You'll be able to find it on our website, but um, I'm teaching with my co-teachers with Integrated Vocal Pedagogy. So you can find us on Facebook, mm-hmm. Integrated Vocal Pedagogy, or on our website, same name, integratedvocalpedagogy.com. And, um, but we're doing, we're doing some Saturdays. And then um, I have a, a little subscription-based thing called Get Vocal Now. And it's the, the uh, website is actually getvocal-now.com and it's $29 a year and it's unlimited access to all the, all the webinars and trainings and things on, on there. And so um, I think both of those would be good places to find me. Amazing. I have actually sat through nearly all of your Get Vocal Now um presentations I think they're brilliant and I just love a quiz <laughs> I love a quiz at the end <laughs> do you yeah I do yeah. it's it's interesting because I can see how many people take the quiz and yeah. how many don't ah. and it, it's probably about 50 50 some oh, wow. people enjoy taking the quiz and testing their knowledge yeah. and some people choose to skip it it's it's a voluntary thing you don't mm. have to take the quiz um but I, I'm like you I want to know if I actually learned the material yeah definitely yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's just yeah it just settles in my mind that I've understood something if I get the a quiz question wrong I'm like oh what do I what do I not understand I'll watch that again then you know I just want to make sure that I've got the right ideas well it could also be that I just keyed in the wrong answer no <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not I think I did I did okay it was all right but yeah. yeah I would just say that you know it's really useful to think about um again that concept of remaining open remaining curious in life And um, I took a training years ago when I was working at Ohio State, and the training concept used the idea of an elevator, a mood elevator, and that, you know, if you come in in the morning and your mood elevator is below ground level because you're upset about something, um, your ability to take in new information is going to be really bad going to be really poor. Mm. And so um, the the idea of this mood elevator was that the ground floor, that if you could at least come in at the ground floor every day, and they called that level um, remaining curious. Ah. 
that it really changed how you received information from others and, um, and how you interacted with others. And so instead of thinking, let's say you're sitting in a board meeting and somebody presents an idea that you think is the dumbest thing you've ever heard in your life. So instead of thinking that is just the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, if you can remain curious, the curious person would say, I wonder why they think that's a good idea. I wonder what made them come to that conclusion. And if you can begin to have that curiosity, it ultimately changes how you receive the information and it may lead you to understand how they came to that conclusion. And in fact, it may lead you to understand that they're right. And so I've been trying to live by that concept for the last several years mm-hmm. and in, in my personal life and my research. And, and so it, it has really, I think, broadened my perspective on a lot of issues and a lot of things. And, um, and ultimately that has led to greater successes um, professionally and, and just with my students and things like that um, to kind of have this curious mm. attitude. And so I would say that's something I'd love to leave your listeners with is just encourage you to remain curious and remain open. And certainly as voice teachers, we want to be open. We have a tendency to have this kind of dogmatic uh, doctrinaire kind of, um, you know, many teachers have this kind of doctrinaire. I get, I, I, I teach this method and, and I think the other method is wrong or the other way is wrong. And I, and that's certainly not remaining curious about our colleagues and about our teaching approaches. And, and so I think if we can all just sort of relax a little and, and, and open our minds to the possibility. It's going to make us advance as a profession a lot, a lot more quickly. That's a fantastic insight. Thank you so much, Kerry. What are you going to be doing with the rest of your day today? Is it lovely and sunny in Ohio today? I'm working on a, a new textbook with my colleagues, a, a vocal pedagogy text. And so my day is carved out for writing today. Okay. And I, I love a day where I can just sort of, you know, have the whole day to work on this project. And so that's what I'm going to be doing probably the next several weekends, <laughs> the whole summer, more than likely. Yeah. So we've got a lovely new book to look forward to. Do you know anything about when that's going to be coming out? Well, we're hoping um, probably sometime next year, mm-hmm. um, but it's actually going to be a, a three-part series. And um, so we've got three textbooks and they're really geared for people who are on their journey, learning to sing, learning to perform, and they're going to touch on all sorts of things from um, body movement and diction and acting and spectrographic reading and all sorts of things. And then uh, there's going to be a fourth book, and that fourth book will really be uh, a, a book to help somebody with a capstone performance. So whether that be a senior recital in college or a cabaret or whatever, but you know how it, that fourth book will kind of help the person figure out how do I tackle the music? What do, what do I choose? How do I get it from conception to performance? And so that's our new project. We decided since we can't go off and teach this summer mm. that it's a good time to sort of 
hunker down and and um, get the ink pens out and and write a little bit. And so hopefully we'll we'll uh, have something to show you in the next year. Well, the hard part is figuring out. We we decided we couldn't fit it into one book. There's so much that we want to talk about. Yeah. So we decided we better make it a a little longer series. And I'm always amazed when people are able to, you know, get something down to one, one pedagogy book, because there's so much to learn. There's so much information out there. Um, so, and we're hoping that it'll all be using levels of evidence, clinical evidence. Mm. And so we're going to uh, talk a lot about what is evidence-based practice and how do you rank, rank and rate research. And then all the research that we're referencing, we're ranking in the book. Mm -hmm. And so we're actually showing you, um, how trustworthy it is on the evidence-based pyramid. I remember and, this, yeah. Um, I remember this so, from your yeah. course last year with the, um, actually that was very insightful because I'm not a researcher at all and I didn't realise a lot of, you know, the was it the further down the pyramid you go, the more yeah. opinion-based it is really. That's right. Yeah. And the more likely it is to eventually be shown to be wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, textbooks are, shown to be wrong 80 or 90 percent of the time wow which is just crazy it is crazy we've got to be okay with with understanding that anything we read we need to read it with a critical eye and thinking about you know uh i i here in the united states we have these gossip newspapers i don't know if you have those in the uk these little and and they're usually wrong they're usually you know, um, oh, such and such an actor was stepping out on his girlfriend and, you yeah. know, we captured a photograph of them and, and those sort of tabloid kind of publications. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes if we could realize that research is like that as well, you know, are, are we talking, are we reading something in the New York times or the wall street journal, or are we reading something in, in the gossip tabloids? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, where they saw a UFO who, you know, <laughs> took some superstar up and, you know, it's definitely not going to be true. Right. Yeah. But, um, but I, I think often uh, in music, we're not as aware of this kind of research world and that even in, because I think we just think, well, it's research, it's true, but, but there's this whole, there's this whole continuum of validity in research and, um, like I said, from from the most reliable sources down to the the gossip journals. And unfortunately, as we we both know in singing, there isn't as much research. So we often, you often draw on you know sports research and things as well, don't you? Where you kind of look at the studies that have been done, but not necessarily on singers. There's not as many, are there? No, and even you know I'm I'm writing a chapter right now on warm ups and. There's not a lot of research on uh, the effectiveness of vocal warmups, and so then we go to things like sports warmup, and and even the use of the term warmup, which in sports typically means that you're raising your core body temperature, oh. and so you're literally warming up, and the warmup concept is so that it reduces the risk of injury. But we don't use that term in the same way in, mm. in voice, right? We think of warming up as just getting the voice ready to sing, but we wouldn't necessarily think of it as raising core body temperature. And so, um, so yes, we do go to sports medicine and, 
and some of these related fields. And, um, and some of that is useful, but some of it isn't. Um, mm. Some of it doesn't really translate to uh, vocal fold muscles. I mean, when you think about comparing studies on biceps to you know, the two tiny, tiny little structures that are the vocal folds um, that have really a very different, different kind of cellular makeup. Mm. Um, those things may not translate as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for joining me on the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll move into your day with a bit more vocal freedom feeling that you can express using your voice and let the world hear what you have to say. Visit colchestervoiceacademy.com forward slash podcast. Sign up to be kept informed as new episodes are published and consider joining our online community. Membership to this will allow you to post questions to our guests, link you to show notes, social media links and entitle you to exclusive offers from our guests. See you next time.